okay? So so we're in a a series in Exodus, um, and actually, before I get there, I'd like to pray, um, because we do have some prayer needs uh, this week. Uh, First of all, um, I'm fairly certain that uh, Dave Hirschberger is headed back to Mayo to figure out a treatment plan, right? So Dave, if you're watching online, I brought my cup just for you, man, just for you. so we're going to be praying for Dave this week, and, uh, and then I also wanted to bring up a special prayer request, too. My, my wife was in um, Michael's uh, this week, and I was standing in line, and there was a, somebody in front of her who had a whole cart full of school supplies, and so uh, she just said, hey, are you a teacher? And she says, I am. And, and so Aaron says, can I pray for you? And she says, oh, please do. Uh, uh, so, uh, so I think we ought to be praying for our schools as they get ready to go back um, Uh, man, do they need some prayer this year, right? Uh, And so uh, we're going to make sure to pray specifically over our schools because anybody who is doing anything at a school, everything is up in the air right now and weird. And uh, so we're going to be praying for them, especially this morning. All right. So, so I want us to be praying for Dave and I want us to be praying for our local schools as we pray. So let's pray. Oh God, we are so thankful that we get to gather in this place, whether this place is here or in our homes. Lord, we're thankful for all that you are doing in our lives and the lives of the people that we love. But God, we also know that there are things this week which we have not been able to handle, things that are well beyond our control or ability. And we know that there is nothing beyond your control or your ability. So we come to you today. We ask God that you would be at work in every situation on our hearts. We pray especially this morning for Dave Hirschberger, God, as he prepares to uh, get a treatment plan and move forward. Lord, we pray that your hand would be all over that process, that you would bring healing, that you would bring peace, and God, that you would just encourage his entire family this morning. And we pray especially, too, for our local schools, whether they are bus drivers or janitors or teachers or administration. God, it doesn't matter. We pray for every single person connected to our local schools. We ask, God, that your hand would be at work in those places, that even in the midst of uncertainty and what is sure to be a very back-and-forth weird year, God, we just pray that you would have your will in those places. God, that your spirit would be poured out in each school. Lord, that the students, the staff would all come to know you because of your presence in those places. So God, encourage and guide them all this week. And we pray, Lord, too, for the students, God, who are just looking for some certainty, some normal in their lives. God, we pray that you would be at work in each of them, that they would even be a demonstration for the rest of us on how to navigate this time. And Lord, we pray for ourselves this morning. Because God, we've tried really hard this week to look like Jesus, and we haven't quite made it. And so we ask for forgiveness in the places we've fallen short, in the places where we've not brought honor to your name. And we ask, Lord, that from this moment on, you would help us to bring glory to you with each thing we say and do. And Father, finally, we ask that during this time, you would speak to us. God, that you would use your word and the words that you give to me to speak to us. Lord, we're here to experience you. So be present in this place. Pour out your spirit as we look into your word in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So, we're in the book of Exodus. You guys remember? It's only been a week, right? Uh, so, we're in the book of Exodus. And if you remember, uh, we have gotten out of slavery. Okay, we're out of Egypt. Uh, we have made it through the Red Sea. God has literally split a sea in half. Uh, we have received manna from God every single morning. This is where we're at, right? So, this morning, the story that comes to us is kind of out of place, or at least I think it is. Normally, when you read scripture, things seem to flow, right? So like here, it's kind of flow. They got out of slavery. They got out of the Red Sea. They were hungry, so God gave them food. Well, then in Exodus chapter 17, they continued to complain, right? Because that's what they did best. They grumbled. And so they grumble, and they grumble, and they grumble, and so now they're thirsty, right? God's given us food. We've got bread. We've got quail. Now I don't have anything to drink, God. Take me back to slavery, is what they always say. So, God gives them water from a rock. I mean, literally, shoots water out of a rock to supply an entire nation of people, all right? That's at the start of chapter 17. And then out of nowhere, in verse 8, it says this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute, right? If you remember back to week one, God took them through this path because he said the other path, they would find enemies and they would be discouraged, and they wouldn't make it through. Well, what's going on here, Lord? You said you took them here because this is the better path. So, so I'm reminded in, this, in chapter 17 of, the, of this phrase, and we all know it, when it rains, it what? Pours. Yeah, absolutely. When it rains, it pours. Okay. So for most of us, we've looked at this current period of quarantine and COVID and you name it, as a wilderness period, a period of rain. The struggle is for some of us, probably for many of us, it's not just raining, it's pouring. <laughs> it's not just that we have quarantines. It's not just that COVID is here and changing life. It's that normal life things are still coming up and are still a struggle. And we might feel that when it rains, it pours. And for the Israelites, this is probably where they were at, right? They're like, listen, God has brought us into a wilderness, into a desert. He didn't have a plan for the food. He didn't have a plan for the water. We had to ask for it. And now an enemy is coming against us. So you have to think the Israelites are probably pretty discouraged at this point. The Amalekites are coming to attack. The Amalekites being the descendants of Esau from the story of Jacob and Esau a problem that God foresaw way back when during that period. So Moses, as the leader, has to come up with a solution, right? Because for some reason, everybody has to find somebody to blame, right? It's not just that this is happening because it's happening. It's, well, this must be Moses' fault. <laughs> Moses did this to us. Moses led us out of slavery. How dare he? And so Moses comes up with a plan in verse 9. He says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now this one, this particular story is interesting to me because Moses doesn't appear to actually have a plan, right? In fact, if you're Joshua in this situation, right? Moses comes and we're like, Joshua comes and he says, hey Moses, the Amalekites are on their way. We're going we're to have to go to battle. And Moses' plan, right, as your leader, 
Moses says, great, you go handle that. I'm going to go stand on this mountain. <laughs> it looks, probably to Joshua, it looks like a retreat, right? Moses is like, you handle it. I'm going to stay over here in safety. That's not really what most of us picture a leader to be, right? We don't picture leaders as people who retreat while everybody else fights the battle, right? And this is one thing that you'll probably learn about me, hopefully not really quickly, uh, but I will be as tactful as possible, but I will not back down from hard conversations that need to be had or hard situations that need to be handled, all right? We are going to get through it for the benefit of the kingdom, amen? And so Moses, his plan looks like retreat. But is it? Because this is Moses we're talking about, right? This is like the guy who is revered by an entire nation, Moses. He's not going to back down. What is he doing? What's his plan here? Well, verse 10 doesn't seem to give us any hint. It says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. <laughs> right, there's the retreat again. <laughs> but I have a feeling here that Moses knew what to do. Moses was starting to figure things out, right? If you remember, in every other story, Moses kind of falters. I mean, he's not the greatest guy. If you really look at the story, like over and over again, he falls into the same trap as the Israelites, and he thinks that God's not there. God's not helpful. So here's Moses' plan. Right? And keep in mind that we have no hint here that Moses went to the Lord in prayer for this. We have no hint. Like it doesn't say God told Moses to do this. It just says Moses did this. In other words, Moses knew what to do. So it says this in verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. That's all it says. Simple as that. Right? So it says... Joshua went into battle with the men. Moses went up to his hill and just raised his hands, right? And he, and he says he has the staff. It's that same staff, if you remember from the plague time, where he would throw it on the ground and turn to a snake, right? So he's holding the staff. He's holding his hands up like this. It says he's holding up his hands. And every time his hands are up, they win. <laughs> it's kind of cool, right? I don't know about you. I'd like to win my battles by just holding my hands up. And what we're learning in this story, because it says that when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning, right? You almost wonder if, if, Moses, if, if Moses was a little sarcastic, you know, like he kind of go like this, whoop, uh, uh, no, right? Kind of messing with the enemy a little bit, right? But he's holding his hands up for a long time, right? So Moses, Moses' idea here, his thought is, you know what? You know how I'm going to win this battle? I'm going to put my hands up to the throne of God. I'm going to go seek the Lord where he can be sought, right? He's like, I'm going to go up on this hill and I'm just going to put my hands up and worship God until we win. <laughs> and there is this power in scripture of hands being raised, of, of, of arms being lifted to the Lord, right? And, and we do it in worship in many of our churches today, right? But what about when life isn't so great, Right? Do we only worship when we can see that God is good, or do we worship when we still know he's good, even though the situation in front of us doesn't look like it? What do we do in the situations where we have an enemy at the door? Do we continue to seek the Lord? Do we continue to raise our hands, or do we give up? 
Because Scripture, again and again, makes this connection between the body and the spirit, right? Paul talks uh, in, in his letters, he says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces, right? Against wickedness and evil. Right? So there's this connection between what's physically happening in front of our eyes and the spiritual peace. And so we have to assess how we are fighting our battles. Most of us find it really easy to worship when life is good, right? God answered my prayers this week. Hallelujah. Life is good. Until the, the diagnosis that we weren't hoping for comes in. Or until, until the church does something we don't like, right? And then all of a sudden our arms start to come down a little bit. Well, where's God in that? And yet, in Scripture... We see constantly people lifting their hands, lifting their hands, right? Now, some of you grew up in the church that was all about silence, order, dignity, reverence, right? It was the era, right? It was part of, it was part of that era. The thing is, if you look in your scripture, that's not really the biblical response for most people. In fact, it's not really the response of Jesus. Instead, what we find is this passion and this hunger for God. Right? And that passion and hunger came out in a bunch of different ways. But over and over and over again, we find people lifting hands. That phrase, lifting hands. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Psalm 28, 2. Hear the voice of my plea for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands. Should I keep going? <laughs> right? 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. Psalm 141 verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you in the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Right? There is a connection in scripture that when somebody is either in need or in great joy, either one, the extremes, the response is to lift up our hands. <laughs> to lift them up. So when the storms come and when we are seeking God, lifting hands is the posture chosen by God's people. In fact, at the end of this section, at the end of this section of reading, you'll find that there's a phrase that they kept, which was that because the hands were raised to the, to the throne of the Lord, the Amalekites are going to be blotted out forever. <laughs> I love that verse, mostly because it's, I get the impression here that God does not mess around, right? It wasn't because they lifted their hands, this battle has been won. It says, they lifted their hands and the Amalekites are going to get blotted out from history, <laughs> Right? God is not messing around when people come to him. And so there's this association that the lifting of hands, it's lifting them to the throne of God. Right? The place where peace comes from, the place where hope comes from, the place that miracles come from, we are lifting our hands to that place. I have to wonder this morning, how many miracles have we missed? How much peace and hope have we sacrificed because we just won't lift our hands to the Lord? Because we're too afraid to lift them and pray like in Psalm 28, hear my plea for mercy, O Lord. We, we've disconnected from our emotions. 
right? We think, well, I can't be emotional before God. God's got to get the best of me. God's got to get the, the composed part of me, the, the one that's got it kind of figured out. And yet in Scripture, it's the exact opposite people who come to Jesus. It's the reason that Jesus talks about the church being what? A hospital, right? A place for the sick, the place for the desperate. And so if we've got a storm, a sickness that isn't getting beat, a family problem that isn't being solved, an attack from the enemy that we can't seem to conquer, we've got to get our hands up. And we've got to keep them up, right? Moses has said he kept them up until they won. What I love about this, this physical piece of the spiritual realm, right? Getting the hands up, getting the hands up for victory. What I love about this is most of us think of putting our hands up as surrender, right? Right? Somebody's pointing a gun at you. What's the first thing you're going to do? <laughs> don't shoot, right? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe some of you are also carrying. I don't know. <laughs> but normally we surrender by putting our hands up, right? So I, I love putting hands up, right? I love putting my hands up in worship. I love putting my hands up when I'm in a great need of God. And here's why. The enemy thinks you're surrendering, right? When you put your hands up, the enemy thinks you've surrendered, that he's got you beat. But he doesn't know that when you put your hands up, the real fight is just starting. Because you are going to the throne of God. You're giving the fight to the one person who can actually take care of it. And then when we grow weary of holding our hands up, right? Because it happens. When we grow weary, it says in verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. <laughs> I love this picture. I love this. Because it's not just about getting your hands up right? It's about being in a church, being with a pastor, being with a family, a people that are going to sit right next to you and offer you a seat and hold your hands up when your hands get tired. That, that's what church is, right? We're, we're going to talk in a few weeks when this series ends. The first message for the next series is why do we exist, right? This is one of the reasons we exist. As we're making disciples, it's meant to create this environment where we have an Aaron and an her next to each of us lifting our hands when we just can't do it anymore. And so that we can make sure our arms are constantly raised, constantly uplifted to the throne of God, to the one place that our salvation comes from. So this was Moses' technique, right? He sent him into battle and he's like, I got this. I know exactly what to do. And he stood like that until verse 13, when it says, So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Moses lifts his arms for a really long time. Right? And, and originally, what I was going to do is I was going to have Bobby stand up here at the beginning of my message and hold her arms up and see how long she could go. <laughs> and then I would hope that when they started to get low and I got to that part, one of you was going to come up and lift them up for her real quick, Right? The thing is, they won this battle because they were willing to lift their arms to the Lord. So, I don't care where you are this morning, church. It's time to get our hands in the air. It's time to reach out to the Lord for victory.
Okay, if you're in your chairs in here this morning, we need to be getting our hands in the air, right? If you're in your cars, okay, I see you out there. Open your sunroof, open your doors, do whatever you got to do, right? Get your hands in the air. If you are home on your couch this morning, okay, get your hands up, okay? It doesn't matter who's looking at you. doesn't matter what you look like, okay? doesn't matter if you've never done it before. What I care about this morning is that we're getting in the right posture, right? We're getting in the right posture so that we can all find the victory that we need today. So whatever your battle, whatever your enemy, whatever your struggle looks like, it is time to position yourself to win. So during this next song, I want you to stand. I want you to put your hands up. I want you to cry out to the Lord. We are going to lift hands to the Lord and find the peace and hope and victory that we all need together. Let me pray. God, you have been so good to us. Despite the current struggles or the current battles that we're facing, God, we can look back at our lives and know that you are good and that you will bring victory. So God, this morning, as we sing, as we listen to the words of this song, and especially God, as we lift up our hands to you, God, we're lifting them up in belief that you are going to bring victory over our battles, over our struggles, over the enemy that's coming against us. God, we lift our hands to your throne this morning. We reach out for you, knowing that you'll reach right back in Jesus' name. Amen.